I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. Welcome back to RIP Diets. I apologize, you guys. We missed last week. I've been overwhelmed. I don't have a better excuse than that. I've just been overwhelmed. I'm still getting into the flow of resuming this podcast. I also, prior to this season, I had said that each season was going to be 10 episodes long. And we are at 10 episodes. And I did have this fleeting thought today that I was like, should I just start a new season? But that feels messy to me. I feel like this season isn't over yet. I just picked it back up at episode seven. So I think we're going to do five more episodes, including this episode today. And then we'll take a break and start the new season. But I also will be taking a short two-week break over the holidays. That is the plan right now. Once again, I'm going to reiterate, this is a one-man operation And it is my passion project, but you only have so much time during the week for your passions. So it's just been really hard lately. I've had a lot of personal things come up. I wanted to start off this episode today with a very interesting advice question that I received. If you would like me to answer some advice on the show, you can email ripdiets at gmail.com or you can always DM me at lubination or RAP Diets on Instagram. This question, I think, will lead very nicely into what I wanted to speak on today. So here we go. Hey, Emily, love the podcast and all the different topics you cover. I have binge eating disorder and I've been seeing a therapist for two years. COVID lockdown made my problem much worse, so I sought out professional help. Good for you, girl. My therapist and your podcast have both really helped me reframe my thinking around food. Nowadays, I try to be more focused on eating enough rather than eating as little as possible to offset the binge because that would always make the problem worse. I'm not sure if you've dealt with this, but sometimes when I'm beginning to eat a meal or even have a snack, I feel a switch flipped in my brain when I get the urge to eat much more before I've even started. It's really hard to enjoy the food I'm eating when I have this inner voice telling me to keep eating. It makes the act of eating almost feel like a chore. Not sure if that even makes sense, but hoping you can relate and possibly give some tips on how to silence that voice. Thanks again for all that you do. Anonymous. Oh, well, do I have opinions on this? Um, so I am very familiar with this inner voice. I believe that I've even spoken about this inner voice. I call it the ED voice. Um, It's not a very original name, but it is the voice of your eating disorder. And that is not you. Your inner monologue and your ED's inner monologue are two very different voices. And we need to be able to distinguish the two. For those of you who don't know, I did struggle with binge eating and to a certain degree, I still have flare-ups. I still struggle with binge eating from time to time. I am so far beyond where I was. And 
overall, my brain and my body are so much healthier now. And I'm going to share tips on how I stopped binge eating for the most part. Uh, Because recovery is not a straight line. It is quite often a very spiky line. And we're going to get into that too. But first, I just wanted to explain that there are certain qualities of binge eating disorder that are different from just binging once in a while and are extremely different from overeating sometimes, which all humans do. It's totally normal. And we need to take the guilt and shame out of overeating because it's just a normal part of life. It's very natural. My dog overeats sometimes. You know what I mean? Like as animals, we have an instinct to fill our stomach and to have a pleasure response to food. So when we're enjoying our food, sometimes we go a little overboard and we eat past the point of satiety. And that is so, so normal. And it took me a really long time to take the guilt and shame out of that notion that overeating is actually okay. It's really not that big of a deal. I think I did an episode on another season that's literally called Overeating is Not That Big of a Deal. And it was this revolutionary thing that I discovered for myself that if I ordered Chinese food and I got one too many apps, I had a few too many bites, a few too many pork dumplings, a few too many cold sesame noodles, and I ate past the point of satiety that I was actually not a bad person. I was not a failure. I was not, you know, beyond repair. And that that was not the same as binge eating. So anyway, let's break down what binge eating is and what binge eating disorder actually is. And by the way, I am pulling this information from the National Eating Disorders Association Their website has information on every eating disorder, and it's a really comprehensive list. So I'm just going to pretty much read verbatim what they say. To be diagnosed with binge eating disorder, according to the DSM-5, the following criteria must be met. Recurrent episodes of binge eating. An episode of binge eating is characterized by both of the following. One, eating in a discrete period of time for example, within any two-hour period, an amount of food that is definitely larger than what most people would eat in a similar period of time under similar circumstances. Two, a sense of lack of control over eating during the episode. In other words, a feeling that one cannot stop eating or control what or how much one is eating. So that is what a binge is. A binge is not, you know, I told myself I shouldn't have an ice cream sundae, but here I am eating a decadent ice cream sundae. That's just having dessert. And I think that diet culture and chronic dieting has just made a lot of us very confused about binge eating versus plain old overeating or just indulging. I used to have these moments, and this was during the early stages of my recovery, that I would still tell myself I was better if I ate very specific foods during the day and didn't deviate a lot from those foods. You know, it was kind of like I was telling myself that I didn't have rules around food, but I still would mentally reward myself or pat myself on the back if I ate a certain way. So then if I would have three big scoops of ice cream, 
then in my mind, I was like, oh, you're going back to binging. You're going back to binging. But really, that that's not binging. That's just enjoying a nice dessert. So we need to reframe the way that we think about eating certain foods. A binge specifically is eating a very large amount in a very short amount of time and is also characterized by that lack of control. You really feel like you cannot stop eating. And I think another thing to keep in mind is you're fulfilling a different need. It's not physical hunger that you're satisfying. It's actually feeling very deprived. And that could mean feeling deprived food-wise, like maybe you've been restricting. And that's quite often what leads to a binge is restriction. Or you could be feeling deprived emotionally. You could be emotionally hungry, so to speak. And the binge is just a way to distract from the other stresses in your life and and other areas that you might feel out of control. Okay, the binge eating episodes are associated with three or more of the following. Eating much more rapidly than normal, eating until feeling uncomfortably full, and again, we need to distinguish because it's totally normal to feel a little too full, but I used to have binge eating episodes where I would be doubled over in pain. I couldn't stand up. I would curl up into fetal position and wait for that feeling to pass or or try to get myself to go to sleep. And this is a common thing that I've heard with other binge eaters is that they just curl up into a ball. Sometimes, you know, find something to clutch, maybe a big body pillow or something and wait for the pain to subside. Also eating large amounts of food when not feeling physically hungry, eating alone because of feeling embarrassed by how much one is eating. This is a big thing. Isolation. Isolation is a huge component of binge eating because it is guilty. It is shameful. We do it in secret. We don't want other people to be around to witness this shameful thing that we're doing. And then that then perpetuates the need to do it more often because it is so shameful. It creates this cycle of then wanting to reel it back and be really super strict and then it leading to another binge. Okay. And then finally, feeling disgusted with oneself, depressed or very guilty afterwards. So again, the guilt, the shame. Now, for it to be binge eating disorder, the binge eating would need to occur on average at least once a week for three months. Now, that's not very often. It's enough to definitely disrupt your life and definitely it can be stressful. But many binge eaters that I've known, including myself, we do it more often than once a week. So this is just to shed light on the severity of it, that even if you do it once a week, this can be binge eating disorder. Okay, this is another thing. The binge eating is not associated with the recurrent use of inappropriate compensatory behaviors, for example, purging, as in bulimia nervosa, and does not occur exclusively during the course of bulimia nervosa or anorexia nervosa. So you can have binge eating disorder completely independent of any other eating disorder. However, from my personal experience, I do know that restriction is often the cause of a binge. And that's, it's just psychologically proven when you restrict, you will feel deprived and then that will lead to a binge and then that often leads to a purge. This is the cycle that many of us find ourselves stuck in. And Once again, this is just my experience, but 
I always found binge eating to be the most relaxing part of my day in many ways. I was extremely tense a lot of the time. And certainly before the binge, I would feel anxious. And after the binge, I would feel anxious. But that half an hour to an hour that I would be binge eating, the actual act of it was extremely relaxing and I would almost dissociate. It was kind of like a mental vacation. And I think that's another thing that um, characterizes a binge over just overeating is oftentimes you're not even paying that close attention to what you're eating. You're not really tuned in. You're very much tuned out and it can often lead to eating things that you don't even like that much. I spoke to somebody on this podcast and I, I'm so sorry to whoever this is. I can't remember what guest it was, but they said they ate raw oats. Like when it's at the point where you're eating raw oats and pouring honey on it to make it palatable, that's definitely a sign of binge eating. That This isn't for the enjoyment of the food. It's a big misconception that binge eaters just like food. They're not foodies. They're people who have emotional dysregulation. They have trouble regulating their emotions. And I definitely fall into this category. At times, I have difficulty regulating my emotions. And it's the only way that I know how to check out. It's kind of um, an alternative to taking prescription pills or abusing other drugs or abusing alcohol is you're kind of abusing food. So anyway, circling back to this advice question, I relate so much to that inner voice when you start eating saying like, keep eating, keep eating, because you're doing this activity that your brain doesn't really need to be engaged for. It's this automatic thing that we've been doing our whole lives. I mean, I could eat with my eyes closed. I could eat a candy bar while drifting off to sleep. And to be quite honest, I have done that before. So it's so normal to experience that inner voice telling you to to keep eating. Wow, this is so relaxing. Just keep eating. Um, The best thing that you can do, because it's not really useful to be like, shut up to that inner voice. I mean, you can tell it to shut up. And I, I certainly have told my eating disorder voice to shut the fuck up. But I think it's much more helpful to just make sure that you are nourished. Make sure that you're waking up in the morning. You're having a nice breakfast. Not necessarily huge. It doesn't have to be huge if you're not that hungry in the morning, but something that you enjoy. Okay, we're not starting off the day saying I can only have a piece of rye toast or I can only have a protein smoothie because that's the healthy option. I'm trying to think of what else somebody might eat for breakfast that they think like abides by the rules. Eggs like I can only have a hard boiled egg for breakfast because that is so boring, even though it might physically satisfy us in that moment. There's so many other things to keep in mind when it comes to nourishment, when it comes to satiety, when it comes to eating food. We're not just trying to satisfy 
the physical hunger. We also need to satisfy ourselves emotionally. And that's why the whole emotional eating thing, it's become like this fearful thing to emotionally eat. It's its become this thing that we pass judgment on ourselves for doing, but we really shouldn't because food is emotional. Eating is emotional. And to deny those needs is to potentially set yourself up for some harmful things later because you need to satisfy yourself emotionally the same way you need to satisfy yourself physically. So wake up in the morning, eat a good breakfast, something that you truly want, eat as much as you feel you need. And then throughout the day, make sure that you are eating consistently. Now, this is another thing that I will say. Um, I went through eating disorder recovery and that was a time that I needed to always be conscious that I was feeding myself regularly. Now I don't really need to be as conscious of it because it's more second nature. So I don't let myself go too long typically without eating. I mean, every so often it happens, you're busy, you're working, you forget to have a snack. That happens, certainly. Or maybe you're out all day, you didn't pack a snack to go, you can't really find anything on the street that you want. These things are very normal and they're going to come up. But generally, I don't let myself go too long and that's just become a force of habit. However, if you're finding that even after eating disorder recovery, that Sometimes you're sitting down to meals and you're having that inner voice tell you, oh, keep eating, keep eating. This is relaxing. This is so great. Keep eating. Almost like a compulsion. Then I think you might need to go back to basics and tomorrow morning, remind yourself, I'm going to eat a nice, fun, fulfilling, delicious, plentiful breakfast and make sure to remind yourself throughout the day to have snacks to just check in with yourself and see if you're a little bit hungry, if you maybe have a little bit of a headache, if you feel a little tired. You know, there are other signs of hunger other than our stomachs growling. Um, You might feel faint a little bit. You might feel just a little under the weather, a little lightheaded. These are all signs of hunger that you can tune into. But basically what I'm saying is no matter what stage you are in recovery or even if you're past recovery, it never hurts to go back to basics and to be checking in with yourself during the day. And if you are going out for five plus hours, pack a snack. Like Really, you can treat yourself almost like a kindergartner that you're sending off to their first day at kindergarten. You need to think ahead. You need to think, what are they going to need? Are they going to need their stuffy? Are they going to need their snack? Sometimes they want a peanut butter sandwich, but sometimes they don't want a peanut butter sandwich. Maybe I should pack two options. Maybe I should pack a sweet snack and a savory snack just in case they're in a different mood this day because I want them to have a good day at school. You have to kind of uh, parent yourself the same way that you would parent a kid in that scenario. Another thing to keep in mind is how are we going to behave if we do binge? It happens. Sometimes you slip up. I mean, people quit smoking cigarettes. I'm going to draw this analogy. People quit smoking cigarettes and then 
that doesn't necessarily mean they're never, ever going to have a cigarette again. Let's say their loved one gets diagnosed with cancer. Let's say something really challenging happens to them at work, like maybe their job is in jeopardy or they didn't get that promotion that they really wanted. You know, it doesn't need to be as serious as cancer, but, you know, something really stressful in their life is happening and they go... Uh, ask somebody to bum a cigarette, they get a cigarette, they smoke the cigarette. Okay, so we had a little relapse, we had a little regression. But in this analogy, does that mean that this person should go to Costco and buy a 50 pack of Marlboro Red cigarettes and go home and smoke all of the cigarettes in a matter of weeks? No, that doesn't mean that all is lost. That doesn't mean that we're bound to regress all the way and go back to the way that we used to be. No, 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 no. You can take a pause. You can give yourself some grace and you can say, yes, I I had a little slip up, but guess what? That's normal. I'm in recovery. This is a normal part of recovery. And the best thing that you can do for yourself in that moment is to be kind to yourself, say nice things to yourself, tell yourself, this is normal, this is recovery, I am stronger than my eating disorder, and I'm gonna pick up right where I left off. So if you resort to binging, don't berate yourself and beat yourself up for it. The best thing that you can do is to eat your next meal as you normally would. Do not restrict Do not try to compensate for the binge in any way. Just go back to business as usual. And you can even tell yourself that. I think that is a really good mantra. Business as usual. Business as usual. Because if you freak out and then try to overcompensate for what just happened, it's only going to rev up that cycle that we were talking about. It's restrict, then binge, then purge. Then restrict, then binge, then purge. And we don't want to be stuck in that cycle. That is the worst place you can be. So once again, best thing you can do is just to eat normally your next meal and really tune in and listen to your body and to be kind to yourself to say, I am not broken. I am stronger than my eating disorder. And yes, I may have had a little slip up, but that doesn't need to dictate the rest of my life. Anyway, those are the things that helped me recover from binging. And in the past few years, whenever I had had a little relapse in that area, I have been able to stay on track and not let it completely derail my recovery, which in my opinion is a win. And I'm hoping that you can do that, sweet anonymous listener. I hope that this helped. Once again, write me for advice. RIPDiets at gmail.com or DM me at Lubination or RIPDiets. Okay, so we're doing things a little bit backwards today, but we're just going to round out this episode with some very relevant food news. And many of you have probably heard about this already, but I think this is majorly interesting. So McDonald's has launched another chain under the McDonald's umbrella, which is called Cosmic. And it is a coffee chain that will compete with the likes of Starbucks and Dunkin'. 
Cosmic's menu is rooted in beverage exploration and will feature vibrant colors and unexpected flavor combinations, McDonald's said, with a sample menu showing drinks, including a churro frappe, vitamin C shots, s'mores cold brew, woo, that sounds good, and a popping pear slush. That sounds dirty. Oh, and a sour cherry energy burst. That sounds a little bit scary. Actually, that sounds like liquid warheads to me. Sour cherry energy burst. A pared down food menu will include McDonald's staples like McFlurry ice creams, my favorite, and egg McMuffin sandwiches, as well as hash brown bites, cookies, new sandwiches, donuts, and pretzel bites. So very snacky. And it seems like they're focusing more on the coffee and other beverages. I found this piece of food news very interesting, and I'm very interested to um, see how this all plays out because Starbucks and Dunkin', I mean, they say America runs on Dunkin', but I don't know. I Here in New York, it's Starbucks that truly dominates. There's a Starbucks on every other street corner here. And I got to say, Starbucks has been letting me down. I used to be such a Starbucks gal. I used to collect the stars. I used to rack up free drinks like nobody's business. And I loved it. It was like a sport to me. The Starbucks app was my version of DraftKings, essentially. Like, I would figure out all kinds of creative ways to get the free drinks, to use my points effectively, When I would get free drinks, that was the only time I would get a venti. I'd get all the bang for my buck. I would never finish them, though. I don't understand how anyone could finish a venti. It is so much liquid. Like, even if that was just water. Well, no, water. I I mean, throughout the day, I could finish it. But the thing is, in the time that it takes me to finish the venti, the coffee gets diluted by the ice. If there's any kind of foam, it all disintegrates things separate. Like, it's just not good. Anyway, Starbucks has been majorly disappointing me. I feel like even when I get a dirty chai, which is my signature drink, I love a dirty chai. If I go into one Starbucks, they make it deliciously. And then I go into another Starbucks and it tastes so bad. I mean, like not palatable. I just feel like the quality control at Starbucks is just not there. And that That should be the appeal, right? Like that's the appeal of a chain to me is that no matter where you are in the country, you go into the chain and you know exactly what you're getting. You know how it's going to taste. The dirty chai should always be the same level of creamy. It should have the same notes in it. It should be the same level of spice and the same sweetness. But that's just not what I've been experiencing lately. And I've had to dump out a few, which... It pains me to even say it because they're so expensive. And there was one time I was going to visit my relative in the hospital and I stopped by a Starbucks. I just needed caffeine (laughs) and I ordered a dirty chai. They gave it to me. It tasted like ass. So I told them and I I feel so bad doing this, by the way, because I know what it's like to work retail and I hate doing this, even if I hate it. I have to really hate it to send it back. But anyway, I said, I'm so sorry, but I don't think this tastes right. Do you think you could make it again? And then they made it again and it tasted even worse. It tasted even less like chai. And I, I don't, 
I don't know what they were doing to this drink. But at that point, I was like, I can't, I'm too embarrassed. I can't ask them for this drink again. And I took a few sips to get a little bit of caffeine to my brain. And then I dumped it out. I couldn't drink it. It was unpalatable. I often feel like some of the mistakes are made when the Starbucks is too busy and when they have a lot of mobile orders coming in. I think ever since mobile orders started being a thing, now they're so overrun with orders and they're understaffed and they can't keep up with it. And I'm I'm not even blaming the workers. I think it's just the quality control goes out the window when you don't have enough people employed and your customer base is so big that you just can't meet the demands that we're setting for this company. So anyway, I haven't been impressed. I'm very curious when McDonald's opens this chain, I will be trying the coffee and I will be doing a review. Um, Maybe I'll try a few different drinks, but so far in my limited experience, I haven't been that impressed by McDonald's coffee, but we'll see because it can't get any worse than what I've been experiencing at Starbucks. I mean, Honestly, the balls of McDonald's for going up against Starbucks and Dunkin', but maybe they see what I'm seeing. Maybe they see the quality control going down and they see a potential opening like, oh, people are going to want to come here because the quality control is going to be so good and they're going to know what they're getting every single time. And honestly, maybe these drinks are going to be so popping that we're not even going to want to get Starbucks anymore. I mean, I would be a little shocked, but the concept of that happening to me is so exciting because just like celebrities, we build things up and then we want to tear them down. I just, I need to feel something. I need some excitement in my life. Seeing Starbucks go down and then the future documentaries, the rise and fall of Starbucks. Can you imagine anything more theatrical? Can you imagine anything more exciting But then again, I would prefer a company other than McDonald's be doing it because this isn't really the underdog taking down the giant corporate empire. This is the giant corporate empire being taken down by the even more giant corporate empire, which isn't as exciting. So I did just kind of talk myself out of that. But whatever, I think the future is looking really bright for those of us who like our coffee to taste like coffee ice cream. Slide in my DMs if you enjoy that too. I feel like there's a war on sweet tasting, delicious coffee beverages, and I don't stand for it. I don't stand for these places in my neighborhood where the coffee tastes like literal ass and it's so acidic and bad. And when you drink it, you feel like you're getting an ulcer in real time. And like they always just expect you to love it is another thing. Like, There's this coffee place in my neighborhood. I'm not going to name what coffee place it is, but people always ask me about it because I live so close to it. People always ask, oh, do you go to that coffee place? And it's kind of like prestigious. It's kind of like their coffee tastes like battery acid and they spit in your face and charge you extra for that. And you're expected to be kissing the ground they walk on just to be drinking this coffee. And I hate it. It doesn't taste good. It's so acidic. It feels like it's withering away my teeth. And I don't even need my coffee to be, you know, 
coffee ice cream, I don't need a place to be a Starbucks. I can enjoy a macchiato. And when I say a macchiato, I mean a real macchiato, which is just a shot of espresso with a little bit of steamed milk. I can get down with genuine coffee, okay? But I don't like when it's just so acidic. But I feel like that's what a lot of people like. So anyway, I forget what kind of tangent I was on, but I cannot stand those pretentious coffee places. Oh, this is what I was going on about. So a lot of people think that that is what coffee should be like. And it's like, if you deviate from that in any way, and dare I say that I enjoy a peppermint mocha in the wintertime, you know, dare I say that I enjoy a dirty chai or um, a little bit of cinnamon syrup in my coffee, you know, a pump of hazelnut here or there, then suddenly I'm a miscreant. Suddenly I don't know what real coffee should taste like. No, I know what coffee should taste like, but also I like delicious things and I think that's normal. So is there anything wrong with me having a delicious drink, but then also getting a caffeine fix along with it? To me, that's just being resourceful. To me, that's just being efficient and killing two birds with one stone and, you know, having a little bit of enjoyment in my day. Okay. I don't think that's a fucking crime. Anyway, coffee rant over. That's our food news for today. And that's our episode for today. I hope you guys liked it and I'll be back quite soon, but I'm not going to be back next week. I'm taking a brief hiatus to enjoy the holidays because I think we all deserve that. I hope you guys enjoy your holidays as well. In the meantime, slide into my DMs, hit me up anytime. If you're having any issues over the holidays that you want to talk out, I'm here and I'm happy to talk it out with you because it can be a really challenging time for those of us who have body image issues or who have had eating disorders in the past. Don't try to diet during the holidays. I cannot stress that enough. I am anti-diet and I've spoken about this at length. I don't think that diets work in the long term and I don't think they're effective for one's overall health or self-esteem. But aside from that, I think it is a fruitless, fruitless thing to try to diet during the holidays. Just don't do it, okay? There's really no point. Just enjoy everything that you want to enjoy. Desserts, pasta, wine, um, anything that you associate with the holidays. Enjoy the fuck out of it. And until next time, peace, love, RIP diets. Uh-huh.